Talk Zone presents Motivation with a Purpose Radio, the show that highlights the inspirational stories of people from all walks of life. Now, bringing you real inspiration, here are your hosts, Rich Hallstrom and Zeke Bambolo. Ladies and gentlemen, good morning, and welcome to Motivation with a Purpose on Talk Zone Radio. We are expecting to have a wonderful show for you today with a, a wonderful guest. And uh, our guest today, when uh, we're about to bring him in here in a little bit later, will be Mr. Russell Elkins, uh, who has wrote, written a book, Open Adoption, Open Heart. And uh, so as we get into today, we hope that you are having a lovely day wherever you are and that this will be another time that you can take to really uh, zone in on some quality information for your life, your motivation. As we Again, our desire here is to make sure that uh, we are bringing you quality information that will indeed impact what you desire as your motivation, that will motivate you to, to accomplish great things. Uh, so... I am, well, we have had a little bit of technical difficulty, but I'm wondering if my, my partner in crime and my good friend, Rich Hallstrom, is back on the line with us. Yes, I am, sir. I paid all my bills. I'm suddenly back on the line, and <laughs> everything is up and ready to roll. They are not going to deter motivation with a purpose this morning as we talk about a very important subject of adoption with Russell Elkins, the small business owner and author of the book, Open Adoption, open heart. So we're going to delve into a very important subject and discover a very important aspect of families and how important they are to our makeup as a nation and the world. So it should be an, a fascinating conversation, Zeke, and I'm glad I was able to pay my bills in the short time that I was away so we could once again connect up for another fascinating conversation right here on Motivation with a Purpose. Thank goodness for electronic media that we can get those bills paid, you know, just with the snap of a finger. You didn't use that uh, that uh, RFID tag that they planted in your fingernail, did you? Uh, no, 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 no. We're not that we're not that sophisticated yet. And uh, I have, you know, I just I just whipped out the credit card real quick and uh, just punched in the appropriate numbers and uh, knew that you needed me back. And I did the best I could, so uh, we're off and running once again for Motivation with a Purpose every Friday morning here at TalkZone.com at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, where we seek to inspire you and motivate you to live and work with purpose. And you, my friend, have been out on the speaking trail once again, Chief Self High School in Seattle, Washington, you were there a couple days ago uh, giving some pretty fantastic talks. Why don't you talk about that a little bit, Zeke, as you talked with uh, some of the students. What were some of the subjects that you covered? Oh, yeah. Thank you so much. It was a phenomenal time with some young people out there. And it was a great uh, – there's a great timing going on there, too, with what happened in that uh, – uh, last week, about the beginning or so mid of last week, there was an incident at Chief South High School where there were a couple of young students, female students, were run over by a lady because of an altercation involving a dog. And and then on the grandeur still, we scale, excuse me, we had the Javon Belcher, uh, the NFL linebacker from Kansas City, who killed him, his girlfriend, and he, uh, they had the murder suicide situation. Now leaving uh, a young baby with who was parentless. So my point is, as I spoke on making choices and looking at this, asking these young people to redefine or restore their brand, that brand meaning, you know, the core of who they are, that uh, def that identification that they desire to have, you know, or to begin with the end in mind. We're able to talk about legacy and, and having them give them ideas of how to start, even at, as young teenagers, to build their own and start defining their own legacies that they want to leave, uh, whether it's a medical doctor or uh, 
or a psychiatrist or a musician or an athlete, but you have to start with any mind. You have to make sure it is a clear and truthful uh, with tr- good integrity at the core of who you are. And so those situations that happen, tragedies, literally give us a great opportunity that by the time we were done, uh, we had a lot of personal uh, interactions with some of these young people coming up and having wanted to have confidential conversations. But more importantly, their instructors, too, were very glad that we brought a, a very inspiring message to them, looking at my life, beginning as a teenager, and what the challenges that I went through as well in Africa and coming to the United States as an immigrant. Well, you brought up two words that definitely go together with today's topic, legacy and choices. And one of the ways that we can choose to leave a legacy is create a unique family and and give alternate choices to people who may need help in some very, very important and sometimes stressful situations. And one of those uh, ways that we can do that is be involved in adoption. And our very special guest, Russell Elkins, is a small business owner who grew up in a military family moving all around the country. He is the father of two beautiful children who are living proof of successful open adoptions. And along with sharing his personal experience through his blogs and social media, Russell also writes a weekly post for Adoption.com. And once again, he is the author of the book Open Adoption, Open Heart, and he joins us right now on Motivation with a Purpose to talk about the very exciting subject of adoption. Russell, how are you this morning? Fantastic. How are you guys doing? Well, welcome to the show, and we really appreciate uh, such a great book as Open Heart, Open Adoption, Open Heart. And uh, let's begin our uh, conversation this morning by Russell, explain to me open adoption versus closed adoption. There might not be a lot of people listening to the show this morning that uh, would understand those terms or know that much about adoption. So let's uh, start from square one. You know, and and actually just a couple of years ago, I was one of those people that didn't really understand the difference. Basically, in, in times of past, I mean, even my friends growing up who were adopted, they were all part of uh, closed adoptions. Closed adoptions <clears throat> kind of means something different depending on who you're talking to. But basically, a closed adoption means that the uh, there's there's zero contact between the biological family and the adoptive family, and that's the basic meaning of it. Now, depending on who you're talking to, some people nowadays, because open adoption is so uh, so common and so much the norm that a lot of people have changed the meaning of closed adoption to basically meaning even though there's some contact. Is very little. So open adoptions are basically uh, adoptions like ours, where there uh, where there's very in- various degrees of contact uh, with the with the biological families. The for our first adoption, the one that is uh, the open adoption, open heart talks about. We have continuous uh, contact with the birth mother of our son, and. We talk to her regularly. My wife talks to her a lot more than I do, probably three or four times a week. You know, and she lives on the other side of the country, so she can't exactly just stop by on her way home from work or anything like that. But she's flown out to see us a few times, and she's even planning on coming in January. So, so Russell, is open adoption the most prevalent uh, form of adoption these days? Because you talked about how things have uh, kind of changed over the years in the book. So is that the most common form or becoming the most common form? Where do you see that when you, you know, take you know, a look it, at the subject? It, it is uh, by far the most common form now. Back in, <clears throat> open adoption wasn't even a concept until the late 1970s where it was kind of experimented with a little bit. Um, some of the agencies who were considered radical at the time, you know, they, they tried it out to a small degree and then, um, and then in the 1980s, then it became a little bit more common, but it didn't really start to take hold until around the mid 1990s. Um, but even, even at the turn of the century, it was still far from the norm. And then, um, just over the last, I would say five to eight years, 
it's become the norm. And nowadays, uh, 95% of adoptions are considered open adoptions, um, the other 5% being closed. Now, those 95%, they're not all the same level of openness. About 55% um, have actual uh, contact between the the adoptive family and the biological parents, and the other 40% of that um, of those that are considered open, they, they go through a mediator, which would be basically the adoption agency or a caseworker or somebody from the state where exchanging pictures goes through the mediator um, and exchanging information and contact stuff, that kind of thing. And even a lot of those, they start to evolve toward uh, direct contact between them because working with a mediator is just a real pain. It, um, not not from firsthand because uh, mine never went through that, but I've, I've seen a lot of other cases where they just get tired of uh, working through somebody and the relationship gets strong enough that they just they just start working together. So, Russell, as you speak there, we may be having a couple of audience uh, people in, in the audience here who are listening and are considering adoption right now. And as you speak of open and closed adoption and what you pursued uh, at your at that time, give us a couple, let's say your top two pros and cons on each side of the fence here that you and your wife considered when you were uh, approaching this topic that you think would help people who are currently considering whether to go open or closed, please. Okay, well, the the biggest pro, um, and like I said, we were one of those couples that didn't know a whole lot about it when we were first getting into it, but it, the thing that made the most sense to us is uh, what some people call the identity crisis, especially, it seems to hit kids especially hard once they start to get into their teenage years, where do I really come from, was I abandoned, and it's natural, but if you don't know where you came from, to have a kind of sense of... Uh, a feeling of abandonment. Was I left in a basket on somebody's doorstep? Kind of, you know, that's exaggerating a point, but those, those types of feelings. And with an open adoption, um, it made a lot of sense to us to be able to have those answers right there uh, for our children to be able to answer the questions for themselves. A lot of times I've seen, even though adoptive parents have, Stressed, um, have stressed the the amount of love that took place during the adoption placement. It's it's one thing to hear it; it's another thing to see it for themselves. And not only that, but secondly, for us to have that relationship with their biological parents, they're able to see how much we love them, and for them to see how much we love them they are much more likely to uh, love them themselves and embrace their past. For us, adoption is what has made our family happen. Without it, um, we probably would not be parents today. And so we as parents, we embrace our role and our situation completely. Um, and we want we want to share that with our children. We, want, we don't want them to, you know, feel even the smallest degree of um, of a desire to hide from from their history. We want them to be able to embrace their roles in our family, uh, their their roles in in this world, and everything. And the cons were <clears throat> I wouldn't I wouldn't really say they were cons. They were more fears. Um, are are pretty typical for a lot of people who are considering adoption, and that is the concept of um, shared parenting. Uh, or, or in other words, who's really the parent who's making the decisions? You know, with an open relationship like that, uh, is somebody going to be saying, you know, I really think you should start preschool at age three or spanking versus no spanking or, you know, all the, those types of regular decisions that parents have to make. We were, we were a little bit worried that somebody else was going to be um, kind of running the show as a backseat driver. And I think those are legitimate concerns for, uh, for a couple, um, considering adoption, but it, but you have to, you have to understand that, um, the relationship themselves, um, are evolutionary. They start out really crazy 
And then, just like any relationship, it takes a little bit of time to develop. And with our two adoptions, those the, those concerns fizzled out pretty quickly. Uh, we've we've never had uh, the, any of the biological parents trying to counsel us on how to be parents or tell us how we should do things or, you know, there, there's no co-parenting going on. They trust us and they make, they make it a, a strong point to, to let us know that, to, to let us know that, that we feel validated in our roles. And, uh, when we all support each other like that, then our own roles as what we actually are, uh, us as the parents, them as the biological parents, we don't, we don't fight over um, the things that we're not, and you know, we don't we don't battle those jealousies like we used to, and and we found that symmetry of of good balance between us. Did you get a lot of help when you speak of it? Did you get a lot of help from uh, maybe the agencies in kind of coaching uh, you all how to handle that situation? Is that something that just naturally flowed for your relationship with the biological parents? Well, like I said, every every situation is a little bit different, and uh, for us. For us, it was a lot on our own shoulders, um, and that was by choice. And they had a lot of. We went with a we went with a really large agency. When I say large, I mean it was it's a national agency that we were we were among nearly 950 couples on the you know on the on the list of adoptive couples. Um, and so they have a lot of educational resources. They have a lot of um, people that we could counsel with, um, and all that kind of stuff. We, uh, and we did, we did some of that counseling. We had classes that we were required to take, required by the state and required by the agency. But for the most part, uh, we hit it off really well with, uh, with the birth parents from, from both of our adoptions. And so we were able to, to develop those relationships on our own. I mean, we really preferred it that way because we kind of saw it like with any relationship, whether you're getting to know your new in-laws or you're, you're dating somebody or something like that, it, just the thought of having somebody to go, go between and counseling you on how to make a relationship work sounded a lot more complicated than figuring it out on our own. So we, we did a lot of, uh, with our first adoption, since she's, you know, 2,000 miles away from us, we did a lot of chat room, uh, you know, on, on Facebook and, and all that kind of stuff. And we called each other once in a while, wrote a lot of emails between us, uh, that kind of thing. With our second adoption is local adoption, which uh, that adoption is not in the book, Open Adoption, Open Heart, but that story's that story's going through editing and it should be out in a couple of months. But that one uh, is local. And since, since we were local, um, chat rooms and emails didn't make as much sense as just we got together once a week uh, and just, sat around for a few hours, you know, three or four hours and so we said goodnight and saw each other the next week and did that until baby was born and then then uh the frequency of face to face visits actually got um more common after that <laughs> for a while. And then they fizzled out. Um, you know, got more space between them and and uh but yeah, we we've developed those uh relationships mostly on our own. Um and just like any relationship, they, they take time, especially when they're two strangers coming together, you know, from completely different angles. But uh, but it's been wonderful. We've we've not only made it work, but we've made it something that we cherish uh, with open arms. Russell, who makes a good adoptive parent from your perspective? Well, I, su- I suppose the question is a little bit different uh, for... Um, for open adoption versus closed adoption, uh, who makes a good adoptive parent? Anybody who makes a good parent. Um, now, who makes a good open adoptive? Like uh, open adoption is as open as ours are. That's a little bit more complicated because you have to you have to be willing to um, embrace the things that you're not. My son has bright blue eyes and I have dark brown eyes. I will never be able to claim his genes, his, his DNA. I will never be able to claim the fact that he came into this world because of me physically. And and in early stages, uh, for us anyway, it's not the same for everybody, but for us, um, 
that's something that we needed to come to terms with whenever somebody would tell us, oh, he's got the most, uh, the cutest little nose, his, his birth mom must be really proud or something like that. In a way, as an adoptive parent, you kind of hear somebody saying, part of this child uh, is not yours, or in other words, you're not completely his parent. That's kind of the way you hear it because you're you're a little bit insecure in your roles at the beginning. But like I said, um, as you work through those things and those kinds of things, uh, not only become something that you're okay with, it becomes that you embrace. I love their history, um, their adoptive history. So in answer, answering the question of what makes a good uh, open adoption helpful, basically anybody who uh, is willing to embrace the role of um, sharing experiences with somebody, um, somebody who's willing to roll with the punches, realize that you can't make all the decisions in the beginning because the relationship is going to change, the relationship is going to evolve. And even though we went into our second adoption, having gone through it once and having had a lot of knowledge gained from the first adoption. Our second adoption was quite different because the people that were involved were very different than those in the first adoption. Um, and the relationship, I would say the relationship from our first adoption now being, you know, our, our son's almost three years old now, that leveled off quite a while ago that things haven't had any dramatic changes for quite a while. But our Second adoption, our, our daughter's um, almost a year and a half old now. That that adoption is still very much evolving um, in how much we see each other, how much we talk, uh, what types of interaction we have. Um, and that's just simply because um, ev everybody's working through things at their own pace. The things that we had already overcome before you know, we didn't have to overcome the second time around, but the biological parents of our daughter, it is their first time going through an adoption. And so, um, so we've, in some ways, we've backtracked to go through things all completely fresh with somebody completely new. And in, in other ways, we've been able to say, yeah, we've been through this before. You know, this is normal. Don't you know, don't fret this, don't fret that. This is normal, you know, that kind of thing. We'll be back with more Motivation with a Purpose after this time out. You're listening to Motivation with a Purpose Radio on TalkZone.com. Back to your hosts, Rich Hallstrom and Zeke Bambolo. Yes, indeed. As you heard, this is Motivation with the Purples on TalkZone.com. And here, uh, I'm here with my co-host and my good friend, Rich Hallstrom. Today, our guest is Russell Elkins, the author of Open Adoptions, Open Adoption, Open Heart. And uh, he has been telling us about his adoption story. And uh, so, Rich, uh, it seems like you had some additional questions for Russell as we went to break. Thank you very much, Zeke. Uh, Russell, my next question is, how many times were you tempted to give up during the adoption process? Tell us a little bit about that. Well, I think the question is a little different when I think about um, how many times did we feel overwhelmed or how many times did we think of, uh, of giving up? Because for us, we had made our decision going in that we were not going to cut ties um, with the birth parents that that was something that we knew we were going to keep them. That didn't mean that we were always, you know, if things got unhealthy, that we would keep them uh, at the same level. Because, after, I mean, when all is said and done, the most important thing is the, is, the, is the well-being of our children. If things had gotten unhealthy, then we would have closed doors, um, like to maybe uh, – not have face-to-face -face contact for a while or that kind of thing. But we, but we would have always um, kept things open to the extent where we would be sharing, you know, information, sharing photographs, all that kind of thing. As far as overwhelming goes, we have a lot of friends 
um, a lot of friends in church or in the neighborhood or, um, you know, just all around at work and stuff who, who have adopted in the past. And like I said, in the past, adoption was a lot different than it is now. And because their perception of adoption is so different than what ours is, um, a lot of our friends <clears throat> founded kind of their own business to, you know, to counsel us and tell us that we should close things off of all the damage that could be done and, and all, all this kind of stuff. But in the end, my wife, Jamie and I, we are the ones who are put in charge of our own, of our own home, of our own situation. And, um, and we will always feel that it is our responsibility to counsel and prayer with God for what is right for our home. And what is right for our home is not right for everybody. So just because we have decided what is right for us doesn't mean that other people need to follow exactly in our footsteps. Um, that's not that's not the reason why I wrote Adoption, Open Adoption, Open Heart the way that I did. Uh, I, I wrote the book basically to take people along the ride so that they could think for themselves, you know, what would I do if I were in their situation? How would I feel? And so it's, it's not a book on this is what you should do. This is what you should feel. It is, this is what we went through. This is what we felt. This is what, this is what, um, you know, how we experienced things and people can, you know, can make the, those own decisions for themselves. As far as, um, closing things off, um, things would have to get dangerous for us to want to do something like that. Um, and we've, we've never come even close to, um, the point where things were dangerous. The, the biological parents of our children are, are the most wonderful people, uh, in the world. So, so I would say we've never come close to actually closing things off. Um, but there, but there have been lots of times, um, as you see, you know, in reading the book, that things got, things got uh, a little overwhelming and stressful. Um, but that's all. That's all part of it. I, I wouldn't have been doing anybody any justice in uh, writing a book that just sugarcoated everything, um, because quite simply, one of the the biggest tragedies in adoption. Or, or an open adoption anyway. One of the biggest tragedies are people who go into the process making assumptions about how they would feel, but they haven't really done their homework. They haven't really educated themselves on what they'll be going through. And uh, a lot of people just think along the lines of, you know, all we do is fill out some paperwork, write a check, and wait for somebody to bring a baby to our home, and then, and then, uh, you know, everything's peach, peaches and cream from then on. And, and and I think for some people, it might be that way. Um, for us, our life is amazing and wonderful, but it was a process to get there. And I would not be doing the world of, you know, a favor if I wrote the book yeah, with an underline, you know, basically making it seem like it was so simple and easy. I want I want people to realize the stress of what they're getting themselves into and the process that they'll be going through. With all that kind of stress, everything that is uh, difficult in life has a great reward at the end. And and adoption is by far the greatest reward my wife and I have have ever had together. And and uh, yeah, truly, truly amazing. Russell, this is uh, Zeke. Let me let me ask you to do something for me. A little bit of a tough question, but I think you're up to task. And uh, I am thinking here: Yo, know, we three men. Rich, Zeke, and Russell talking about adoptions. And I know our audience also has a lot of uh, female listeners as well. But I want you to do the best you can. The same line of thinking of difficulty through this process and, and how you engage it as a, as a couple. Do the best you can to put us in the mind of your wife, Jamie, through this process. <laughs> well, you know, I wrote the book. I wrote Open Adoption, Open Heart. But obviously... Uh, my wife had a lot to do with it. We talked constantly throughout the entire process. We we wore out the sidewalks around our house just uh, as every day, pretty much every day we would take a walk for about 45 minutes or an hour just talking about how things were going, how uh, how we were handling everything, 
um, you know, all that kind of stuff. One of the, the things that make, uh, that make it different, um, between my wife and me is, um, the concept of our infertility was a lot harder on my wife than, than it was on me. Um, which is, which is strange because, you know, in all the specialists that we saw, nobody was ever able to tell us why we physically have not been able to have kids, which is, uh, which has been a little bit over eight years now, but that was more difficult for her than it was for me. Um, women react differently in the sense that uh, just women are tied more emotionally to a lot of things. Um, and there's a lot of emotions um, in adoptions, but especially between woman to woman. So my wife, and the and the, the birth mothers, one one thing that uh, comes with a lot of open adoptions, and it's normal, and it's something that we didn't anticipate, and a lot of people don't anticipate, is that when you're receiving the most amazing gift that one human being can give to another, but that gift comes knowing that the person on the other side of the gift um, has a lot of pain. Uh, associated with the separation. Um, God instilled it into us naturally to feel that attachment to the baby growing inside. Um, so the separation, even even though our, our children's birth mothers knew um, that they were doing the right thing for their situation, even though they knew they were doing the right thing, there's still a lot of a lot of pain involved in the separation, and especially between woman and woman, adoptive mother and birth mother. Um, there's that connection, and when you're when you're in an open adoption like we are, you know, there's not that separation of uh, of seeing the pain. We were we were together a lot, and so we saw that pain, um, and in seeing that pain, we we felt. Um, in a way like it was our responsibility to help them get back to uh, or, or, you know, to to restore some of the comfort that was in their in their own lives. And especially between woman to woman. Um, but there's different roles that the different people have uh, in the situation. And, and it wasn't really our role to play um, to be that part of the birth mother support group. We felt responsible for it, but it wasn't really our role to play. Um, so there's a, there's a lot of, um, trying to figure out what exactly your role is, uh, in, in the healing process. And that is actually one thing that, um, while open adoption opens that door to seeing the person hurting on the other side, it also opens the door to to us doing um, things to be able to know that the person on the other side is receiving the tools that they that they need, you know, sharing information, having physical face to face contact if that's what the situation, um, you know, is what's right for that situation. Um, so it it opens all kinds of doors. Um, just for that intimate uh, relationship. And women are especially in tune with the intimate sides of life. Um, I'm, I, I love adoption just as much as my wife does, but women just tend to be more in tune with the, with the, with the intimate parts of relationships. Now, Russell, you just mentioned the intimate, mentioned the intimacy that can be developed in this relationship between the birth mother and the adoptive parents and the story of open adoption open heart uh, tells very vividly about the relationship that you developed with Brianna in the uh, in the book and she's only 15 and she's in Mississippi and I'm trying not to let too much out, too much of the cat out of the bag cuz I want people to uh, Go to the book and read this fascinating story. But Brianna's all the way in Mississippi, sends you guys an email, and you develop a conversation and a relationship from there. And she eventually comes to stay with you. 
and develop those emotional connections. Tell us a little bit about that whole story and just what happened there because I find that fascinating and very inspirational as you guys really bonded and became a team. Yeah. Well, first of all, uh, just talking about the fact that she came uh, out to where we are. We're in Idaho. Uh, and she came out to us. Now there's a there's a story that is that has kind of hit the mainstream lately about something that might sound similar um, of where uh, there was a couple that was actually married and for whatever reason um, for whatever reason the biological mother decided on adoption um, and she did that made that decision without her husband or ex husband whatever. He was at the at the time of placement, but he was in the military. And while he was gone, um, she she went to uh, Utah and secretly placed the child for adoption. Um, and then, th- you know, through a, through a series of lies and you know deceiving, they they basically wrote the biological father out of the picture, um, tricked him into thinking that she had had an abortion, and you know a whole bunch of things that just break my heart to hear for, for so many reasons that I could, I could spend an hour just talking about, <laughs> you know, why that case breaks my heart. Right. Um, but in our situation, basically the reasons for Brianna coming to Idaho, which I don't get into very deeply in the book because um, I wanted open adoption, open heart to focus on, uh, Jamie and my story um, more than trying to tell the story from people, you know, other people's point of view. So I, I kind of brushed through the details of that. But basically, um, it came down to Brianna's boyfriend or ex-boyfriend by that time, um, who was the same age. You know, he was he had just turned 16. Um, he he basically told her that he had no interest uh, in being a father, but he would not sign the adoption papers because he wanted to um, be able to pop in and, and hold him for, you know, 20 minutes. And then, and then, you know, a month later, come by, hold him for another 20 minutes, that kind of thing. He basically told her that he had no intentions of being a father. He just wanted to, you know, be able to have some sort of, you know, connection there for, and, uh, but she told him, Hey, you know, I'm a sophomore in high school. I'm 15. Uh, I'm the only kid left at home. My mom, uh, is a single parent and she works, uh, 70 hours a week, you know, so she is basically home alone, raising herself a lot of the time. Um, and she did not want to drop out of school. Uh, she didn't want to, she didn't want to drop out of the life that uh the life plans that she had and so she told him hey you know if you're not going to sign the papers then i'm going to go somewhere where i can place this child for adoption um uh, because i do not have the means of raising this child um and unfortunately some people have taken that as us pushing her uh toward you know um running away from him or, you know, all the negative things that, that I saw in the news article about the adoption that took place in Utah not too long ago. But basically, um, those are the, those are the simple reasonings around it. It, be, it came down to dropping out of school at 15, um, to raise a child that she, um, didn't feel confident in being able to do in the first place, uh, all alone without even much support from the adults uh, in her life. So she came, she came to Idaho for the last two months of her pregnancy, you know, the doctor counseling or not to travel during the last two months. And we had a place for her lined up for her that she could stay. Um, But we said, you know, stay with us for the first two or three days, just so we can get to know each other and that kind of thing. We hit it off so incredibly well that uh, we said, we said, you know, let's let's give this a go for a couple more weeks, and then after a couple more weeks, we said, let's you know, let's keep you here 
the rest of the time. And, and, uh, you know, you can get to know somebody pretty well over the telephone or face to face, but when they're living in your home, <laughs> you know, they, they know what you look like when you get up in the morning. They know what you're like, uh, during your grumpy times. They know your, your bad habits of, of leaving clothes on the floor or, you know, not cleaning up after yourself and that kinds of things. And we got to know the ins and outs of, of, uh, her quirkiness and our quirkiness. We know that she prefers eating her dry cereal, uh, in a bowl with a cup of milk on the side instead of pouring it in, you know, and, <laughs> you know, silly things like that, that we really got to know each other. And by really getting to know each other like that, that after placement occurred, um, as we were tackling all the new, all the new experiences, you know, that, that, that were different from, um, before the child was born, the different jealousies or, you know, the difficult times were always able to be overshadowed by the fact that we loved her as a person even before our son came into the world. You know, she's she's real to us. She's somebody that we love, not just for the gift that she gave to our home, but because we love her as a person that uh, even if, you know, God forbid something had gone wrong with, with the delivery and the baby hadn't made it or anything, we still had that bond and we would still be, you know, in contact with him and loving her for who she is because the bond that we formed during that time. That is awesome. And we'll be back with more from Russell Elkins, the author of Open Adoption, Open Heart, on this edition of Motivation with a Purpose after this time out. It's time for more Motivation with a Purpose radio on TalkZone.com. Now, back to your hosts, Rich Hallstrom and Zeke Bambolo. Welcome back to this edition of Motivation with a Purpose. I'm Rich Hallstrom, and once again, my good partner, Zeke Bambolo, is right by my side. Our guest today is the author of Open Open Heart, Russell Elkins and Russell Fascinating conversation so far, and uh, we just admire your uh, your story. It's a great story of uh, courage and perseverance, and making a wonderful sacrifice and inviting a, someone new into your life, and making a great family and a great partnership. And uh, we are really, really pleased that you are part of the show, Zeke. Why don't you fire off with our next question to Russell this this afternoon and this morning? Yeah, yeah, Russell. I I was sitting here thinking and, and um, in my mind here and wondering. So as we, a lot of times, when people are looking at these adoption stories, there are fears on all different angles and making it. It is a mighty and a and a, a great deed for families like yours who have chosen to step into adoptions, noting all of the uh, potential risks and circumstances that exist. And so one of those things that crossed my mind as well, especially as we talk about this, and you were mentioning how much you have a relationship with Melissa, uh, with Brianna, and I guess the other uh, uh, mother is Melissa. But uh, tell us a little bit, have you put some uh, some uh, uh I, some things in place, some some plans in place. Should, I mean, what is the odd? Or the, uh, should that happen within maybe the child is about 10, 12, 14, and that birth mother has a, a different idea about now wanting to be a part of that child's life? Uh, that is one of the biggest fears that I think arises when it comes to adoption. Have you put some things in place to protect against or to, and then not just the child, but you as the adoptive parents and the birth parents, uh, how have you perceived planning? Should that ever happen and i don't know that's the biggest fear for some of us who want to adopt that as far as whether or not the biological parents want to take the child back or right right yeah. there's sometime down the road they decide to change their mind maybe they're seeing that you know yeah for whatever reason uh if that comes up uh what have you put in place at this point in time that will ensure everyone can go through this in a unscathed if possible okay well um the number one thing you got to do is find out the, the laws of adoption within your own state because every state right. has different laws. Um, I, know, I know that there are some states that uh, that um, even a year or, or 
or so after um, placement of the child in the home, then, then people can change their mind. Um, the state that I'm in is is uh, very adoption-friendly, so that's not really something that we have to deal with because um, with our first adoption, uh, a little over a week after uh, our son was born, then uh, Brianna went in front of a judge and, you know, she signed the papers and, and all that kind of stuff. So she, she uh, between that time and the time when the adoption was finalized, it would have been very difficult for, you know, not impossible, but it, but, uh, it would have been a little bit more difficult for her to change her mind. And then once the adoption was finalized, which was about the four-month mark, um, then once it's finalized, it's finalized. So, and, and every state, uh, once the adoption is finalized, it's finalized, but uh, different states have different laws. You just got to find out what the laws are within your own state. But as far as things changing uh, in the relationship, um, well, first of all, you know, we're, like I said, the, the relationships with the biological parents is, is always evolving. Um, it evolves as we get more used to our own roles in the situation, and it evolves with uh, with the life changes. I mean, things things changed a little bit once uh, once Brianna graduated from high school. Um, like I said, it's it's been you know about almost three years since since our son was born, so she's not 15 anymore, obviously. Uh, but when she cha- when she graduated from high school and she started moving on to you know, aspirations of college and all those types of things, um, just the things that she needed in her own life changed. And so our relationship, you know, evolved along with it. And it's the same with our second adoption. Things are going to change yet again once she once she finds that special someone and, and she plans on getting married. Things are going to change uh, yet again once she starts to have children uh, in her own home, you know. And uh, those are just the kinds of things that we roll with uh, during the evolution of our relationship. Now, one of the most important things that <laughs> that we have uh, that we have decided for our own situation is to make sure that everything that we're doing uh, is for the best interest of our children. Obviously, Jamie and I, Jamie, my wife, obviously we are right there on the front lines of everything that is going on with the adoption. But as our children get older, um, especially once they get into, you know, their young teenage years, and it'll do, some, some of the things will, you know, we'll have to just see once we get there uh, as to the level. But we have to keep in mind that the situation is there. The level of openness that they're going to want to have in their teenage years may be different for our son with his biological parents as it will be for our daughter with her biological parents. So um, our, we feel like our job is basically just to give them the tools that when they have the, the maturity of being able to make those decisions, that they'll be able to make those decisions for themselves. That we're, we're basically just trying to build the foundation for what they want their life to be like. Um, and when that time comes that they're, they're mature enough and old enough that they can decide for themselves how much contact and how little, and we will, and we will follow their lead once they're old enough to make those decisions for themselves. And if that if that means that they want more contact, then then we have uh, always established. Then you know we're willing to roll with those punches. And if they want less, then you know we're willing to roll with that too. Excellent, Russell. Tell us how we can get a hold of the book. And what is the overriding message that you want our listeners to take away from today's show? Well, uh, the easiest ways are, you know, the online markets at uh, Amazon.com or BarnesandNoble.com or, or there's my website. You know, if you, I, I put specials on my own website, RussellElkins.com, um, and you can get a hold of my other works and other writing and follow my blog and all that kind of stuff on there as well. Now, the underwriting message for Open Adoption Heart, Open Heart, is basically that the world has a lot to learn with not only uh, the changes that adoption has brought, 
but the world has a lot to learn with how wonderful adoption can be. And for, for me, the best way to be able to come to understand um, the amazing world that we live in is not to, not to um, just read a few blog posts or, you know, even read a book on how to or what to experience, but to actually come along on the journey. And that's, that's not just people who are planning to adopt. That's not just for people who were adopt for, for those who were adopted when they were kids and, uh, and they want to see the differences now, but <clears throat> there are actually a lot of things out there that are opposed, um, to adoption. Um, you know, different, different full in, in, you know, all different forms and especially on the internet, you know, I, I do a lot of adoption advocacy on the, on the internet and people who are able to remain anonymous, uh, they get pretty bold in their, in their statements. Um, but coming along on the journey, coming along on the ride, experiencing it through somebody else's story uh, will do more for anybody um, than just trying to guess for themselves or just trying to piece together from, you know, snippets that they've read here and there. That's exactly what the book is meant to do, not to tell people how they should do it, because I can almost guarantee you're the way you handle things are not going to be exactly the same way we did. But uh, but to be able to put yourself in our own shoes and, and, and think, how would I feel if I were in this situation? Could I do it? Could I not? Um, what would I do differently? All those kinds of things. Even if they're not planning to adopt, you know, there's a lot. There's a lot that the world has to learn and to embrace. Our guest on Motivation with a Purpose today has been the author of Open Adoption, Open Heart, Russell Elkins. Russell, thank you very much for your time and for your inspiring story. And we look forward to Open Adoption, Open Heart, Part 2, coming in January or maybe a month after that. We'll look for it on the shelves. Once again, thank you for being a great guest on our show today and for your inspirational story. And we will definitely have you, you back for Part Number 2. Ooh, I look forward to it very much. Zeke, another inspiring story today on Motivation with a Purpose. Your final thoughts. Well, uh, you know, the adoptions, again, I, I go strictly back to the Bible. You know, take care of the orphans, take care of the widows, take care, you know, and there may not be, these young ladies especially that sometimes are caught in this, may not be widows that are, uh, I mean, in terms of marriage broken up, but there may be young ladies like uh, in this case of the birth mother's, for uh, Russell and his wife who just need the assistance. So it's just simple for me, and uh, it is a big part of my life, and I think my wife and I do plan to do that at some point in time. And uh, if we're out there, get involved. Adopt, please. And you have been listening to Motivation with a Purpose. I'm Rich Hallstrom for Zeke Bambolo, and we'll see you next week for another exciting edition of Motivation with a Purpose right here on TalkZone.com.